Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 406. The only way to do great work is to love what you do. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Chris Janone. Chris are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Sure, Mark. Let's go. All right. Great to have you here. Christian Owen is the managing partner and co-owner of The Stables in Scottsdale, Arizona. The Stables is a premium storage facility where they help their customers sell, acquire, collect, and care for their fine automobiles. Chris was a professional driver in the IMSA Endurance Racing Series, where he was also a chief driving instructor. From there, he built the automotive consulting company, CDI, and raced in vintage racing events in many different race cars at many different tracks. Chris has been collecting, selling, and restoring classic cars and motorcycles for over 30 years. Chris, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your business, your career, and of course your passion for automobiles? Well, I've been very fortunate, Mark, and I like to describe myself as an inch wide and a mile deep. <laughs> there you go. The only business I've ever been in is the car business, and I, I started out. I started out in racing. I started out as a mechanic. I actually started as a, working in a gas station mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was 16, and you know, from there, I graduated to the garage, helping the mechanics and learning a little bit about cars. And and then, uh, and all I wanted to do was drive racing cars, and uh, I was fortunate enough to do that. And, and my father supported that habit, and he was as, as enthusiastic about it as I was. And, um, you know, from there, from there, I got into consulting with car companies and doing ride and drives and demonstrations. And then I started my consulting company. And, um, you know, one thing progressed to another. And I've just been very lucky to, to be in an industry and doing something that uh, I really love. Well, that's what Cars Yeah is all about, for sure. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for some type of a success quote or a mantra that has meaning in their life and has been somewhat instrumental in forming your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? Chris, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a student of history, and, and I've always, uh, I have some crazy ideas sometimes, and, and I like to try different things. And, you know, one of the things that always stuck out to me was what uh, Winston Churchill said, and I believe it was a speech to a boys' school uh, shortly after the war, and he basically just got up there and said, just never, ever, ever give up. 
no matter how bad the odds are and how deep you think you're you're in a hole, just never give up. And you know, I've always kind of thought of that. And whenever I tried something that wasn't immediately successful, I thought of that and I said, "Well, is this is this a valid concept? Will it work? Well, let me give it a little bit more more effort." And um, you know, that's that's always served me well. It served the British Empire well for a, a few years. <laughs> yeah, I think it did. You know, it's a great quote. Uh, I I think it might have been Oxford that he was at. I believe so. Yes. At any rate, it's a wonderful way to go. And so many people get right up to the point where they're kind of at a tipping point almost, and then they give up because it's been so difficult and so hard. So, yeah, if you believe in what you're doing, never, ever, ever give up. Absolutely. Especially in racing, right? Absolutely. You never know in racing there could be that one last lap and some guy spins off in front of you and you you finish the checkered flag. How many times have we seen that? Many times I've I've thought, you know, I'm going to finish in third or fourth, and then, you know, I come around to, and, and on the last lap, and the first two cars have dropped out for whatever reason, and you end up winning the race. So, you know, it's, it, it serves you well no matter what uh, field you're in. Absolutely. Will you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talk about working in that garage and then becoming a mechanic and becoming a driver, but is there a pivotal moment you remember in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Well, I, I always knew I was a car guy. Ever since I was a little kid, I always played with the Matchbox and the Corgis, and then my parents bought me this little pedal car, and that's I lived in the pedal car. In fact, <laughs> visiting my mother last last summer uh, in Pennsylvania, she gave she dug out a little picture. It was a little black and white picture. I couldn't have been more than two or three years old, and I had a hat on and about three feet of snow, and I was in this I was in this little pedal car. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, she says that's all you've ever wanted to do. So. But I think the, the, the one experience that I can recall that really attributed to wanting to be a racing driver was I was probably about seven, six or seven years old. And my father took me to see the movie Grand Prix. Mm. And we, I believe it was in Philadelphia because we grew up in Pennsylvania. And it was the movie where I think they just came out with Panavision, which was a, a, a big curved screen. And we sat up front. And just some of those scenes, I mean, it was it was in the old days where they had intermission and everybody in the middle of the movie, everybody went out to the lobby. And oh, gave, yeah. Yeah. Gave a little program and everything, which I which I had until recently. I just can't find it. But that movie just I think that that I wanted to be a racing car driver from from that point forward, just seeing those cars on the banking at Monza. And it was it was just fabulous. James Garner. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> that was a great Trem- tremendous movie. As a matter of fact, we have it on. We have it on DVD here, and we usually have uh, movies playing during the day in our lobby, and that's that's always one of the favorites. And whenever it's on, I always end up watching about ten or fifteen minutes. Of yep, it. yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's great. It's in my library as well. And you know, it's funny. I have a picture myself in a Cadillac Garton pedal car Cadillac. That's exactly. That's exactly. Uh, that's exactly the car I had. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got one of me at two years old, so I'll have to send it to you. I don't have my hat on. I'm not in the snow. I was in Southern California, but. Uh, yeah, I love that. I wasn't as fortunate. We were in Rhode Island. Oh goodness. Okay. Yeah, you had a little tougher time plowing through the snow in your exactly. Cadillac. But, you know, I learned. I learned how to uh, throw the thing sideways and correct uh, over. I'm impressed. Very cool. I don't think I ever ever did that in mine. So no, I probably rolled it over a few times. Right. But, uh, yeah, I've never forgiven my mom for giving that car away either. <laughs> oh well. Hey, Chris, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the more important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? What did you learn from it? 
Well, I think one of the one of the biggest challenges was when I had my consulting company, and uh, after I stopped racing and I, I started building the consulting company, and first with Mercedes, and then with uh, Jaguar cars, was as as the company grew. I started to have to hire employees because when I started, I was by myself in my basement working from about 6.30 in the morning till about 11 o'clock at night. And, Gee, and, that sounds familiar. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I hired one person, to an administrative person to help, and then I had to hire a second administrative person. And then, and then I had to clone myself, so I had to start hiring people that were uh, in, the, in the industry. So one thing led to another, and... Um, the company grew to five employees, then eight employees, then 12 employees. And then it really became a challenge to attract top-level automotive people into this company. And then once I attracted them, to keep them. So mm -hmm. I had to constantly look at ways to, to incentivize them, to, to put together uh, attractive pay plans, to put together benefit plans. But, you know, at the same time as the company grew, and we eventually grew to over 30 employees, that – you know, my, my passion for automobiles, which is why I got into the business in the first place, I, I wasn't able to uh, exercise that so much mm. because I was dealing with 401k plans, healthcare plans, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, company car plans, billing, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it became a lot less fun. The larger it got and, and really the more profitable and the more money we made, the less fun it got. And that's mm. That's when I decided at some point to get into vintage racing. But I guess getting back to the core of the question, the biggest challenge was was finding good employees and then keeping them. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that is always, always, always a challenge and uh, always difficult. Were there any things that you did or you learned that helped you attract great people and helped you keep great people? You know, one of the things we did when we were small, I guess under under 10 employees, is um, every quarter we used to go out and we would buy, I would buy dinner for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it was just the employees and we'd go out after work. And it, it really, it promoted a sense of family. It promoted a, a, a real sense of team. And as, that, as the company got bigger and bigger, um, it became more difficult to put that together. But still... Every Christmas and every summer, we did a we did a, either a picnic in the summer and a, and a big Christmas party, and then we invited spouses and significant others and, yeah. and that kind of thing. That was something that that really hit home with everybody. I think everybody appreciated that. I used to go around to employees, and if it was a particularly tough work uh, work week, and I, and I do that here too some of the administrative people and the graphic designers and whatnot, I used to slip them a hundred dollar bill here, a $50 bill here. And I think that they appreciated that. Um, I had one executive who was celebrating his, one of his big anniversaries, 20, 20 years, 30 years of marriage or something. So we were members of a, a fancy dining club in New Jersey. So I, I, um, I gave him a dinner, go to dinner at the club and, and put it on uh, our tab. I mean, things like that. I mean, little little things that, that didn't cost the company a tremendous amount of money, but I think everybody appreciated it. And I try to take that same philosophy. And even though we only have three employees here, I try to exercise that that same philosophy here. And I, I think the guys appreciate that because they've both been with me for a couple of years now. So There you go. Well, I think, yeah, a lot of it is, is simply showing somebody that you're grateful for and that you what care. you're doing. And you care. Yeah, that you really care. And they're not just a cog in the wheel. They mean a lot more to you. So very well said. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment. Uh, it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new idea, this new direction that you have. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. 
Well, in, 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 in racing, it was, it was when in doubt, step on the gas. So that, <laughs> that was, that was a philosophy I, I lived by and a few, few, um, a few times got me out of trouble. But I think the, the biggest one, again, going back to my, my company CDI was when I first started to call on my client Jaguar, um, my biggest client was, was a, a gentleman by the name of Len Alcaro, who was a national sales training manager. And most of my work was for him. We did, we were responsible for all the sales training in all of Jaguar's dealerships in North America. And when I started to go to Mawa, which was where they're, uh, where they were based at the time, and I guess they still are, he used to walk me around and introduce me to different people within the company. And a lot of these guys would, would start because Len would say, you know, this guy does great work. He, he's a, he's a real car guy. He used to race cars. He understands the automobile business. He sold cars, et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of these other executives would start asking me, well, well, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And, and all kinds of different jobs that at that point, I really had no clue how to do, but I would say, yeah, sure. I could get that done. And, and then I would, in the drive going back home, it was about a half hour away from from my office, and I'd be thinking, "How the hell am I going to get this?" Oh, yeah, I had no clue. But you know what? I started to call people, and this is in the days before the internet, so it wasn't as easy as, as it is getting information today. But I would start to call people and say, "You know, how how can I get this done, or how can I get that done?" And and um, you know, I would eventually get it done. So I think that the aha moment was. No matter what kind of grasp you have on a situation or how how well you understand it, if somebody asks you to do something and it's and it can be a a possibility of expanding your business, say yes and you'll figure out a way to get it done. <laughs> Very nice. Say yes. Just step on the gas. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. So that's kind of been my my philosophy. There you go. I love it. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? Well, I think that that. You know, when when we first started doing the sales training there at Jaguar, they were they were second to last in in sales satisfaction on JD Power's sales satisfaction index, and I think the only one that was that was worse than we were at that time was uh, Yugo. If oh. anyone remembers Yugo, at oh the time. yeah, <laughs> we brought them within I think four four years. We brought them to a tied number one position. And wow. Yeah, and I, and I'm really proud of that. And I think you know the philosophies that we used and the in the sales training programs that we put together and delivered in their dealerships. And and we really we really um, pioneered in dealership training. Now a lot of the manufacturers are doing it, but back then nobody really took trainers and and went into the dealerships. They held meetings in hotels and and other venues, but but we went into dealerships all around the country. I think. I think the first year I did it, like 1991, 90 or 91, I think I went into out of 120 dealers. I think I visited them about 85 of them. My goodness. Yeah, and it was it was a lot of time on the road, but but you know what? It brought you face to face with with the with the salespeople and the dealership principals, and it really gave you an understanding of what each dealer's problems were and who their biggest competition was. And that enabled us to go back and put together programs that were kind of kind of not tailored in individually to a dealership, but to a region. Because usually if, if one dealership experienced issues in a region, usually a couple others had the same problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we really listened and we uh, we custom tailored programs and, and we brought them to number one, which which I think is a is a is a hell of an accomplishment. Oh, it's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations for that. Right. You know, I have a, a guest and a friend who's been on the show here, Russell LaFleury, who goes yes. around the country doing this. You probably know Russell and 
doing the same thing where he's teaching these salespeople new techniques, new new ways to approach the customer. And with a high-end line like Jaguar, he works with Ferrari and Porsche and all these other marks, Lamborghini. Uh, it's a whole different way to sell car, the cars these days. And you're even seeing it in the domestic car product sales rooms as well. There's not the old, uh, you know, elbow in the ribs. How are we going to put you this car in your garage Correct. today? So very cool story. I love that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. That's that's easy. The first the first special car I ever bought was we were working for uh, Mercedes at the time. I think it was about 1986, 1987. I was doing the on-track program, and which basically involved giving salespeople and dealer principals hot laps around some great racetracks in in some great cars. And my favorite at that time was the uh, 192.3 16-valve Cosworth uh, Mercedes, oh, which yeah. was fantastic car yeah and so i had an opportunity to uh to buy one that came off uh lease at a dealership out, outside of philadelphia and um i was uh, i was living with my what well, eventually became my, my first wife at the time and she was a, a sales trainer with mercedes with with corporate and so we got together and we, and we bought this car and it was just an absolutely fabulous car it had a get track dog lake five speed gearbox and uh, we took that car up to Montvale and had um, some of the, some of the great uh, factory techs, and one in particular, Ernie Teal, who um, was a, was a tremendous tech, an old guy that that had worked on the Auto Union Grand Prix cars, had been on the Russian front with the German army. So, you know, they talk about history. He was living history, but he knew how to do a lot of the tricks on the car and did some tricks to this car, and consequently, it it, it ran uh, it ran like the hammers of hell. It was just, <laughs> just a fabulous automobile. So that was. That was really my first special car, but the, the first real classic that I bought uh, after I started working with Jaguar and started making a couple of dollars was I bought a Sunbeam Tiger. That was just a fabulous little car. I took it to Watkins Glen to the Shelby Convention and drove it around the Glen, which, which was a lot of fun. So um, that, that was my first special car was the 190 Cosworth and the the, uh, the first collectible and, and one of my first loves was the Tiger, which I, which I, I, just, I just bought another one uh, last year. And sold it uh, for for a pretty tidy profit. So I I still like them a lot. Yeah, they're wonderful cars. I had a friend in high school whose dad had one and used to let him drive it to school. And I remember looking at the car originally, thinking, "Yeah, oh, it's an old British car." And then he gave me a ride, and I went, "What the heck is under the hood?" And exactly. popped it up, and oh my goodness, holy cow! Yeah, so. A bit Cobra-esque, if you will, with that big engine jammed in there. So very Cobra-esque. Yeah, very much. How about vehicles that you've owned and let go? Is there one in particular you really wish you had back in the garage? And it's not so much about what it's worth today because we know what car prices have done. It's more about the emotional ties to that vehicle. The, the, the car I really loved was I had a, I had a beautiful 65 GT350 Shelby uh, a clone that was accurate to the T. I mean, it, it, you looked at it, and even Shelby guys had a hard time figuring out it wasn't real. Um, the only the only way you could do could look at it was uh, look at the VIN, but that car was just absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it, I used to I used to sit in town, and I lived in this little town in New Jersey. And, and when cars were parked on both sides of the streets, if I if I hit the throttle just right and I was at the right angle, I could set off the car alarm. <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun. But my but my uh, my girlfriend at the time didn't didn't like that, and it was it was a little loud. It was a little hot. It was a little obnoxious. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's that's probably one that, that I wished I had back. Well, you know, there's something else we have in common. We both drove a Cadillac as our first car. 
But I had the same thing. I had a 65 350 GT clone that a friend of mine here in Gig Harbor had built. Ron, he and his dad built that car. It set for years, and then I bought it from him, and I drove it to work every day for a couple of years. And his dad had worked for Ford. He'd gotten all the correct parts. I mean, it had that wonderful, just the engine made that sewing machine sound. It was just the most awesome motor in that car. I love that thing. I even took it to a, a Mustang event one time, and everyone there thought it was the real deal. So... Yeah, great cars, great fun. I couldn't get gas without having a long conversation with somebody in the gas exactly. station. Everybody loves the Mustang. And as a matter of fact, I just got a, um, uh, I just got, and I'll, I'll get you a picture of me in it because you said a, a picture of an, in an interesting car. Yeah. Bought a uh, Superformance uh, FIA replica. Ooh. And it is, it is Viking blue, two white stripes. It's got the meatballs on the side with the numbers. It's a, it's a true, accurate uh, uh, FIA car with, with Webers. And it, it really is cool. So I'll get oh you a Oh, my gosh, yeah. That's, that's, it, it's very loud and very in your face, but it, it's a cool, cool car. Well, when I get out there to Scottsdale to visit my daughter, I'll have to stop by the stables and uh, you can let me check that thing out. Sounds cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're two miles from where your daughter lives. Yeah, awesome. Great. How about current projects? What are you guys working on today that really has you excited and fired up? And tell our, our listeners also a little bit more about the stables, what it is that you guys do there. Yeah, and you know the the business is I, I I like to say it's my my retirement project because I I, uh, I went back to Jaguar. Jaguar asked me to come back a couple of years ago to run their um, their alive consumer driving program and also their uh, driving academy, which which was a, a fun uh, a fun project. So I ran that for a couple of years and and then just got tired of the travel. And then that's when this opportunity to buy the stables came up. You know, it 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 really is it really is a lot of fun because I get to deal with some great customers. Some of our clients are, are just a blast. And the cars we have under roof, we have everything from a, uh, a 29 Model A to an 89 F40. So, the, and, and everything in between, you know, 47 Cadillac convertible. I have um, you know, just all kinds of things, the Cobra, the Mustang, or Shelby, all kinds of things. And, um, you know, basically we have, we have 20,000 square feet, uh, fully air conditioned, fully heated. And we have room for about probably about 90 cars and uh, I have about 70 now. We have a fully staffed concourse detail shop. So we do details not only for our customers, but for, for outside clients as well. We do light restorations. We have good relationships with a, uh, with a body shop that's right next door to us conveniently. And uh, they do, if we get a car in here that needs paint or needs some kind of dent repair, we can facilitate that. Um, I also have a couple of guys that do paintless dent removal. We do wheel repair. We do window tinting. We do all things like that. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's really grown into a, into a nice business. And one of the areas when I took it over that I expanded it into were, were sales and consignments, which previously the business was not, was not involved in that. And, and that has taken off. I get a couple of calls a day from clients on the outside saying, asking if we can, can, if they can consign their car to us. And, you know, right now we have, uh, we have 12 cars on consignment and we own, we only own one of those cars. So it's, um, it's an area that's fun. And it also gets, to, it gets me, it gives me an opportunity to take some of the things that, that I've been teaching sales consultants for the last 25 or 30 years in dealerships right. and employing those same strategies and philosophies with my customers and the notes and letters I'm getting back. It really reinforces that what we've been teaching the last uh, 20 years really is right. 
Very cool. I love the whole concept of what you guys are doing there. It's so nice. So if I, if I have too many cars and I need a real safe place, a nice place to keep them, and I can also call you and say, hey, I need a few things done to the car. Maybe I'm a snowbird and I live somewhere else in the, the summertime when it's a little warm there. And then I come in there when it gets cold here. And uh, you guys can take care of my cars for me, have them ready when I show up, all those kinds of things. And we have a lot of a lot of clients that are snowbirds. We have a lot of Canadian clients that leave their two or three cars with us during the summertime, and we keep them on trickle charge. We keep them. We put fuel stabilizer in. We run the cars up to temperature once a month. We rotate them within the facility so there's no flat spots that develop on the tires. So we we really it's, it's a fully maintained storage program that we do for our clients. And and when they come back in September, October, or November, um, the cars are ready to go. We deliver them to the house if. The cars need service. We take them back and forth to the dealership. Anything that, that's needed uh, on the vehicle to maintain the vehicle, we do. Very nice. Love it. Great business structure, great business plan. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Chris. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? You know, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd choose a car. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I'd choose to be a motorcycle. Cool. Okay, great. <laughs> I, the motorcycle I'd probably choose would be my um, my 1200 GS event, Adventure BMW. Nice. Because it can go anywhere. It doesn't need much gas, and, and it, it's got a big gas tank. It gets great mileage. It can go many miles on a tank. It's comfortable enough to ride across the country, and just the, the, the freedom and the enjoyment I get out of riding that bike, pretty much I'm fortunate to be able to ride it all year long here. It's just I just get a lot of enjoyment, almost as much enjoyment as I get out of driving a, a fine car is, is that bike. You know, those are such awesome bikes because especially where you live, you can drive them on the street, you can take them off road. There's probably lots of trails out there in the desert where you can ride those bikes. So the riding out here is absolutely fabulous. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> just like the well, the riding on the West Coast, going up and down through Oregon and Washington, Northern California. There's there's some great roads and some great trails out there too. Yeah. And you know, I don't ride as much in the summertime for obvious reasons as I do in the winter, but. Probably right now, because uh, I'm pr pretty much coming to work seven days a week, uh, I'll probably ride the bike five days. Nice. Ah, wonderful. I love it. So, Chris, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CarsYeah.com slash sponsors. Okay, Chris, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been a race car driver. You know what this means. The white flag is out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Go ahead. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Probably put yourself 
in the in your customers' shoes. I mean, it, it, it's a it, it's kind of passe, and everybody says it, but don't just give it lip service. I mean, really imagine if you were in the same position as your customer, how would you like to have the situation handled? Whether it's a, whether it's an issue with a car, whether it's an issue with a bill, whatever it is, how would you like to be treated? And then take that philosophy and just espouse it to your customer. It may cause a little bit of pain, a little pain initially, but in the long run, I think you'd be better off. That golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah, pretty simple. It works really well, too. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Don't go into debt. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Especially for those young listeners out there, do not buy anything you cannot afford. Don't go into yeah, debt. That, that's, uh, you know, my grandfather was a very simple guy. He was a, he was a bricklayer from, for a stonemason, came over from Italy. And, and uh, you know, one of the things he taught me was we were going around. It was never, if you don't have the money in your pocket to buy it today, don't buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's where that last name of yours, Genone or Genone, comes from. <laughs> the Italy, a lovely. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? The only resource you need is stablesgroup.com. There you go. Perfect. And how about a book? Is there one book in particular you've read recently you think the Cars Yacht listeners would really enjoy as well? I read a lot and um, not only automotive, but but also history and World War II and about old airplanes and things like that. But by and large, my favorite author on any subject happens to be, and it just happens to be automotive, but anything written by Peter Egan, I think is fabulous. I think he's a fabulous writer. Yep. He's a passionate car and bike guy. And, and he's just, uh, I just think he's fantastic. I miss his, his monthly columns at Road and Track. Yep. Leanings, I think, is one of the books that he's... I have them all. Yep. yep. Yeah. He's a great author. I'd love to love to have had him on the show here. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Chris Janone. And Chris's last name is G-E-N-N-O-N-E. You can also say Janone, like we mentioned, that great Italian name. And there's also a great place on the Cars Yad website titled Guest Recommended Books, where Chris's book and all the other past guest books are there for a quick link for an easy purchase. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Chris. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, and I'll include collector bikes since you're into bikes, and I'll include collector race cars because I know you love vintage race cars, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to buy you whatever car you would like. What would that one vehicle be and why? Can I pick one in each category? No, I'm sorry because if <laughs> I let you get away with that, I'm going to have about 405 calls from past guests saying, why did Chris get special privileges and not me? Well, if I if I had to pick between a bike, a race car, and a and a street car, that's hard. But I'd probably because you could use a street car the most. I'd probably choose a street car, and it would have to be a E type open two seater series one because it's it's just it's one of the most timeless cars ever made. It looks as beautiful today as when it first appeared on the stand in Geneva. And it's, it's, they're fabulous to drive. And they're, we have one sitting here in the shop and I walk by it every morning. And I, I, you know, sometimes I just stop and I look at this thing and I say, man, is that is just an absolutely beautiful car. There's no bad angles there. It's just perfect. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah oh. So that would be it. You know, the E-Type is what started it all for me. My father bought me, and our listeners have heard this story before. They're going to be yawning right now. But a little Matchbox by Lesney, red E-Type coupe. 
and I still have it, still sitting here looking at it right now on my desk. And uh, yeah, the E-Type is just such a lovely car, and, and just time has uh, only improved it. I believe, over all these years. Unfortunately, the price point is also improved, so they've become very unobtainium for the mere mortals in the world, but they're, gosh, they're just gorgeous. Uh, I had one in about 1995 or 96. I think I paid $20,000 yeah, for it. Yeah. I think I sold it for you know, almost 30000 and thought I made all the money in the world. Yeah, oh, it's just sad. But, uh, yeah. well, they're just beautiful cars. You made a great choice. And, Chris, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Is there one parting piece of guidance you could offer us before you drive off into the sunset in your E-Type Jaguar? Absolutely, and it's another quote. happens to be from Steve Jobs, and he said, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. And if you love what you do, it's not it's not work. It's, it's fun. And it's just a snowball of goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A snowball of goodness. Wonderful. As we go into the winter here, great quote. Love Steve Jobs. Uh, his book was fantastic. And uh, many, Spons. many quotes Yeah, come from uh, the empire that he built there. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the stables? They can go to um, stablesgroup.com. And from there, if you click about us and then go to um, my profiles on there and my other website, vintageautosportllc.com is on there. There's a link to that website also. And that will give you a little bit of history and some pictures of some fun race cars and that kind of thing. Fantastic. And I would assume if any of our listeners are visiting Scottsdale, Phoenix area, they could give you a call and come by and visit and see what you guys are all about. Absolutely. Love to give tours. And we have we have people stop by here, especially in this time of year on a daily basis, uh, when I look at the cars. And I'm, I'm happy to walk everybody. I'll talk about cars all day long. So. <laughs> well, perfect. Perfect. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Chris has shared with us today at CarsYeah.com. Just put Chris in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Chris, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again... I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. It's been fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.